every time I think I'm at that cliff, like I'm, I'm going to fall off the cliff, somehow a piece of rock just presents itself. I say, oh, I'm going to step on that for a second and I'll, I'll hang there for a bit. And the other one is, if I didn't have problems, I probably don't have a business to run. This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook. I have Paul DePasquale, CEO of Tivoli Audio, here with me in the studios of SoFi Stadium. That's real behind me, Paul. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, you and I were talking before, and it's one of those days, two steps forward, one step back. Uh, and there's so much going on in the adaptability. Um, but, you know, looking at Tivoli itself, this huge O and little C, huge opportunity, and we're limited in our capability. How are you dealing with the limits that have been presented to you, uh, especially with the, uh, you know, the chain of uh, flow of products, parts, and, and shipping? Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, the last few years have been a huge learning experience, uh, something that I've never seen in my entire career. And, uh, you know, at first it's, uh, it's a lot at once and you have to sort of digest, you know, what's important, what we need to do to focus on the day-to-day. You know, I've learned that if you kind of think about what's three months, what's four months, uh, you need to really take each day at a time. And that's what we've been doing. Um, we, we're hitting it from even a year ago where we're feeling it from the manufacturing side, just shortages, um, material issues, cost increase, you know, lead times going from 90 days on average to now six months no one can give you a schedule you got partners breathing down your neck saying where's my orders um and you just you you hammer them out one at a time um and what's been interesting this year that was last year's problem what's been interesting this year is now it's everything's done everything's at the port now we just can't get it where it needs to be and that's just been the day-to-day um and we have small wins try to remember to celebrate them uh, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's an interesting problem that we weren't prepared for. I don't think a lot of people prepared for. Um, and as we solve those issues, we're, I'm trying to implement in my practice and what I do and what the company does to make sure that we stay prepared for this in the future. Um, because I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And if it is, it's never going to go back to what it was. Um, so we're just trying to learn from, from that right now and, and put the, the best foot forward, yeah, with hopefully not taking too many steps back. Yeah. Is it a level, a level playing field? I know there's different sizes of customers, vendors, uh, you know, they're from my experience in this type of situation, uh, the big boys uh, work mm-hmm. out deals. And uh, there's also the old leverage of almost an extortion-like approach uh, to if you like mm-hmm. your product, you, you have to pay to play. What types of things are you seeing uh, that are unfair and, and where is it level in the playing field? Uh, I think it's level for everyone that prices are, are increasing, whether it's from the material side or the cost of shipping. Um, obviously, those increases, they hurt, they hurt everybody. Everyone's profit margin is being taxed. Um, where you find it to be a little bit uneven and where you start to really draw the question is for for example i just dealt with something recently where if any products had a battery had a lithium battery shipping to the us no one wanted to take it and you have these 40 foot containers you've spent tons of money getting product to the port now you have boats saying i'm not taking it 
And you're like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, we can't take batteries to the US because it's a safety issue. But if you do this, sir, and you pay this fee and you pay that guy and you do this and do that, well, we can get it on the boat for you. It's got to go through this country first and then come to the US. Then I asked myself, I say, well, iPhones, Androids, MacBooks, all these things, they got batteries. Batteries that you can't take out, remind, you know? So, but Apple launches their new, their new products. Everyone's got stuff in the stores if you're a big boy. Um, so yeah, there is a pay to play and usually the big, the big boys figure it out. Um, and that's where it's a little difficult because things are moving. Ports are moving products, shelves are stocking. But what you see on the shelf is always gonna be first. Uh, the big, the big names, um, and that's a little difficult sometimes. And a lot of times, uh, being smaller provides you an ability to adapt quicker and also to be nimble and utilize your time more effectively because you have a leaner company and you can uh, not worry as much about uh, the, the margins. Uh, so, where do you see some advantages of being so lean and adaptable? Um, well, I can tell you the the increase that we've seen in both shipping and in costs. Um, I held out for almost a year and a half without any price increases. And I was pretty proud of that. And part of what made that possible was that we were running a pretty lean operation from, from manufacturing all the way to the end user. Um, and we continued that strategy all the way up until about a couple months ago. And, you know, I did do a slight increase, but it was, a very transparent, hey, this is what the cost is. Um, I want to hold an integrity to the product. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we've been able to survive because of that leniency. I don't think if we were as lean as we were going into 2020, I don't know if we would survive this. You know, that's, that's being brutally honest. Um, and I'm pretty proud of that. I think that it's never easy to run lean, especially when you get in uh, un necessary issue or a surprise one morning and you know that that surprise can be solved in an hour if you drop 30 grand 40 grand to fix it and have it go away um, but that's not always the case and you have to take that long approach and juggle four or five different things and stay up all night and get on 50 phone calls and call this country and call that friend to pull in a favor and you figure out a way to make it work you know hey. And you're no uh, stranger to surviving. Uh, you know, you're a cancer survivor from your 20s. What mindset uh, have you been able to utilize coming from that survivor mentality to effectuate the great success that you're having, even though there's so many obstacles, voids, and shortages uh, that could, you know, and has killed some companies your size? Yeah, I mean, it, it, what I learned in my 20s when I went through that um, and I've carried it with me every step of the way. I actually don't think uh, I would be where I am today if I didn't experience that. And what I learned there was, of course, don't take things for granted. Um, it's really easy to get caught up in your own BS. Um, but at the same time, every problem that I've been faced since then, I've been able to digest, well, how big of a problem or how urgent of an issue or how crazy do I need to get about it? Take a little bit more of a breather and be able to solve things in a, in a responsible and mature way that's actually gonna make a difference. And also I come out on the other side learning something about the business and myself, something that I can really take away from it. And I've been able to do that, you know, on and on again. And, you know, 
every problem that comes my way, there's days I get up and I'm like, man, I can't believe I'm going to have this type of day today. This is not what I thought. Um, you know, how many more punches can you take? And every time I just say the same thing, there's two things I say. It's one is every time I think I'm at that cliff, like I'm, I'm going to fall off the cliff somehow piece of rock just presents itself I say oh, I'm going to step on that for a second and I'll, I'll hang there for a bit and the other one is if I didn't have problems I probably don't have a business to run and you know yeah. so I just kind of take that as it is and, and, and go with it so I always tell people if you sign up for employees and overhead you've you've signed up for pl plenty of challenges uh and I know someone like you that takes personal responsibility uh about his employees and overhead really puts additional pressure on um, now, as a CEO, there's a balance or a reconciliation in personal growth, uh, especially when we have so many fires uh, to put out. We have more, there's always uncertainty, there's always change, uh, but there's more change now than normal, and there's more fires to put out than normal. How have you been able to still, uh, you know, someone who has survived cancer and understands the importance of health? One of my favorite sayings always is if you're healthy, you get as many wishes a day as you want. If you're not healthy, you only have one wish. How have you been able to reconcile your own personal growth through this time of survivorship? Uh, you know, um, when I took on this role as a CEO, um, it definitely didn't immediately didn't present itself as what I envisioned. Right? You think, oh, the CEO job this is going to be great, um, and it and it presented all these really challenging things that I wasn't. I, I can tell you, I wasn't prepared for. Um, and those first two years, like, uh, to be honest, even though I learned those lessons from when I was going through personal stuff in my, in my early twenties, I did lose a sense of me in those first two years as CEO. I was like, there was no Paul. It was like, it was Tivoli and CEO and all hours of the night and all, all sorts of problems. I'm trying to solve everybody's issues. Um, and I learned real quick that like, this wasn't going to be a long-term thing for me if I kept that up. And I just knew that I had to change my way. So I, I just did what I, you know, learned to do when I was uh, going through the cancer. I, I set boundaries. I, I created lines that I knew I could push and lines that I shouldn't push. Um, and I tried to figure out how to enjoy some of the small moments, whether they were at my, in my home, in my personal life or at the company. Um, you know, try not to limit too much on the stuff that's going wrong all the time. And um, I pushed, I pushed as much as I could. And, and I, I do to this day, I have a very strict routine that keeps me able to be what I need to be for Tivoli and then be what I need to be for myself and my friends and my family. Um, you know, a lot of people say they don't want to bother you because you're so busy. Uh, I don't like the word busy because that means unavailable and unaccessible. And I love the word active and I love the word activity, activity I get paid for activity I don't get paid for, my sleep. I focus in on four main activities, my food, my drink, my breathing, and of course, uh, uh, my sleep. But when I see someone like you that should be overwhelmed, should have too much to do, then I look down the list of who you support beyond your company and your family and your community, one tree planted, World Central Kitchen, no dogs left behind, GLAD, the Legal Advocates and Defenders, one mission, <laughs> rock stars, you know, sitting here going, okay, people like this uh, prove my point that we make the time and we, if we need something done, we, act, we ask people that are doing things. What is your secret 
to be able to do so much for so many? You know, it, it really comes down to at the end of the day, I want to be, I want to be fulfilled with not what I achieve. You know, obviously everyone has their own life goals, but I want to be fulfilled with, with what people say about what I do. You know, there's a lot of people out there who spend their life doing stuff that at the end of the day, what impact does it lead? And I had to take a hard look about Tivoli at one point where, you know, especially during the pandemic, I thought about it when I'm screaming about production and all those things, I'm going, we're a luxury brand. We're a, we're a want, you know, we're not a need what Tivoli does. I love Tivoli, I love what we do, I stand behind it, but we're not a, we're not a necessity for people. And as much as I can bring joy and music and my product to them, I want to do something that can leave behind uh, a real gift, you know? And I think people were there for me when I needed it. And that's why I'm here where I am today. And if I can make that time to do something outside of myself and outside of Tivoli, then I feel just that much more positive and proud about what I'm going to leave someday. You know, it's so funny. They have a saying that says, if we look backwards, uh, we're nowhere. If we look forward, we're now here. And if we learn the lessons from the past and apply them forward, we're even in a better position when we're now here. Uh, there's a lot of lessons that you, both of us have learned since we've gotten to know each other in, in the last two years, especially in, you know, for you, what does all of this mean for the future to be now here? Um, and I, I don't like the question, you know, how long will it last? Because for me, it lasts forever. You know, yeah. I, I look forward. So it's, it's now here always. Uh, but I'm more interested in, you know, your perspective aligned with your values, your timing and risk tolerance, what all of this means today for our future. Uh, you know, I, I think, um, I mean, personally and with the company, I mean, what, what I, I believe is that the future will always present new opportunities. They may not look the way that you think they'll look and, and they may not turn out the way you want them to turn out. Um, and in respect to what we do as a business and the, and the industry that we're in, you know, I don't think that this is the beginning of an end for an industry such as consumer electronics. Um, I do think it's going to change. I think it's going to change how we do business, how we consume this industry. Um, and as far as what I can say past that, um, if there's, you know, life after Tivoli for me, um, you know, I will take every single bit of what I've learned here and, and apply it to the supply to everything that I do. Um, I'm not done learning, never going to be done learning. Um, and the same with Tivoli. Tivoli's never going to be done learning. Uh, I think the next two years uh, to come, 20, going into 2024 is where I'm already sitting post what we're calling this supply chain shortage. You know, I'm thinking about what 2024 looks like, um, and it looks different. It looks different from manufacturing, from business, from how people are going to get access to goods. Um, what are the costs that are going to be focused on? Where those costs are going to be applied? Um, because the model that we have now of logistics and supply chain is disruptive, and it's uh, it's not working. It's proven that it's fragile, um, and it's gonna it's gonna take a different uh, a different look in a few years. And as we all will, we'll all consume differently over time. We'll all want different things. Um, and we're just gonna all gonna evolve and adapt with it. Um, and I plan to do that with Tivoli and, and, and personally and professionally. So uh, it's know, always an exciting thing. Yeah, listening to you, you know, gratitude obviously is so important, uh, being able to appreciate and 
not take for granted, you know, what other people are wishing for and what you're wishing for. Um, but beyond that, uh, it seems like relationships, ironically, are becoming more and more personal relationships are becoming more and more important when everybody was focused in on the mass community, the e-commerce, the impersonal uh, side of things. How important do you think relationships, personal relationships will be moving forward for business? They're huge. I mean, they'll be huge. Um, there, there's no, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about the network that, that Tivoli has, that Tivoli's had. It's, it's all built on relationships, all the distribution channels, all the logistics partners I have, it's all relationships. Um, and we had strong ones going into the pandemic and I'm really, was really happy about that. Um, but I think coming out of it, um, like you said, the way we were consuming, the way business was moving, you know, the way people even interact, let's say trade shows and conferences, people that you meet that you never see again, uh, you, you know, you open up your bag of business cards, you're like, who are all these people? Um, I think, that era is almost over. And now people are like, hey, if I'm not gonna um, surround myself with good relationships, good people, uh, people that I can help them, they can help me. Uh, I think companies will find it hard to, to exist in the future. Um, and now more than ever, the, the pandemic has sort of taught us, I think, to you know, not take that for granted. Everyone can get into their own, their own tunnel. Um, and thinking like, oh, I got to do just what I'm doing and no one can get in my way and I don't want to be influenced by anybody. But you got to you got to allow yourself to be influenced by everybody um, and just surround yourself. Like you say it all the time, surround yourself around, around good people, um, people and good ideas. Be kind to your future self by doing good deeds. So those relationships mean something. The other thing that comes to mind that I love to teach that you exemplify is somebody that does their best, learns lessons and has fun. You know, this stuff does not have to be that complicated, although there will be setbacks, mistakes, failures and fires. Uh, if we're doing our best learning lessons and having fun, I guarantee things will work out for the better. Utilizing that pain, mistake and failures and setbacks as an indicator that we got a better place to be. And you're definitely taking yourself and your company to a better place.